We'll go ahead and get started with our study this morning. I think first of all, when we wake up in the morning, we need to praise the Lord that God keeps us saved. Because working in the jail, seeing every day uh, inmates who claim different faiths, who claim to have walked with the Lord a while, now they don't. Many of them aren't sure, and so they have doubts whether they're saved or not. We have encouragement from the Word. Uh, John 10, 27, 28 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Uh, we need to claim that. We need to live by that. Once saved, we are preserved by God's power. Salvation is not saved by grace and preserved by works. It's God who draws us, saves us, and keeps us. Amen? Amen. Not dependent on us at all. It's all of God. And that we can be thankful for. We're ready for part two of this short series entitled Preserved by His Power in Romans 5, verses 1 to 11. These verses give us six pieces of evidence that support we are truly saved and preserved by God. Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. And we'll read here. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us for while we were still helpless at the right time Christ died for the ungodly for one would hardly die for a righteous man though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. In part one of this series, we looked at three pieces of evidence that show we are truly saved and preserved by the power of God, as we looked last week. Those three pieces of evidence were presented in verses one through the first part of verse five. In a review... That first piece of evidence is our peace with God in verse 1. As believers, we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ, which results in peace with God. This is an objective peace that is not based on feelings, but fact that we are now at peace with God. This piece of evidence expresses more relief in these three words than any other because we were at war, we were enemies with God, now we're at peace with God. 
There's a great picture of our new position in Christ in Luke 7, beginning of verse 41. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. That's encouragement. No matter what was going on before, that we are forgiven all of our sins. This was a pocket card that I gave out to a lot of soldiers when I was still in the army. And it's a simple one, and it's something that many carried in their uniforms as we were in different areas either of training or deployment. But it's a simple one that says, How much do you love me? I asked Jesus. And Jesus said, This much. Then he spread his arms and died for me. That's a good remembrance when in the middle of battle I had many soldiers later on say how much that meant to them, just that reminder how much Jesus loved us so much that he gave himself for us. The second piece of evidence we looked at last week in verse first part of verse 2 is that we have a standing in grace. Standing in grace. God's grace is sufficient enough to keep us saved. It's the basis of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that we have this standing. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. God's grace is overflowing toward us and as His child we stand in His grace. We receive what we don't deserve Because Jesus keeps us saved. Third piece of evidence we looked at last week. The last part of verse 2 through the first part of verse 5. And that is our hope in glory. Hope in glory. Someday we will be clothed in the glory of God. Tribulations, trials for our faith produce perseverance. That patience To keep on working even though there's a lot of opposition. This past Thursday as I was sharing with some of the inmates in our uh, service together. I said what's the hardest thing to learn in life? And I tell them this every week. And they'll say patience like that. Thinking yeah that's tough. Patience. We don't want to admit that. But patience. We live in a world of hurry up. God says, wait. Wait on the Lord. God's timing is not our timing. God's ways are not our ways. And so as we become uh, walking with the Lord more and more and putting on more Christ-likeness, we learn patience. And those come through trials. I get the same response. Trials, chaplain. We don't have to pick those. They come. And the opposition comes. But praise the Lord, John 14, 6 is just as true today. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through me. There's many other ways that the world says there are, but God says there's one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. So as we're learning patience, as we're learning perseverance, it produces character. And character is when... You want to get all the impurities out of 
gold and make it pure, what do you have to do? You turn up the heat. You turn up the heat, all those impurities rise to the top and you skim that off and you're left with the pure gold. Well, in the same way, we're being... We're going through that process so that the character that God produces in us shows through, and that's the character of God. So it's Christ-like. And when others look at us, hopefully they'll see a different reaction when trials come. They'll see that we turn first to the Lord and not other things, first of all. I know you've heard this before, but... As we approach God, we need to remember we don't come to God just when it's the last resort. How many times have we heard people say, well, I guess i got to pray about it. We need to be praying right away. We need to turn it over to the Lord immediately and then let Him work out through us what He wants to teach us through whatever that challenge is in life. Now we come to our study this morning, the last three pieces of evidence that support that we're truly saved and preserved by God. That fourth piece of evidence begins at verse 5 and goes through verse 8. Hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That fourth piece of evidence, our possession of divine love. Our possession of divine love. Verse 5, God the Holy Spirit pours His love into us. The idea is that He's pouring it in so it's overflowing. The Holy Spirit does this. In our Sparks group in Awana during the school year, we sing a song about the fruit of the Spirit. You can't be a watermelon, you can't be a, what are they all, banana, and then they go through all those Kind of, uh, I think Pastor Steve saw that one time he came, we sang that. You can't be those kind, but you can be the fruit of the Spirit that is pointed out in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's fruit of the Holy Spirit. But that first fruit is love. It's God's love that's being pumped into our lives. It's evident every Wednesday night during the school year in Awana as men, women, young people dedicate and commit their time to these kids who need the Lord. There's many opportunities here at Lakeside to serve. But uh, I thank God every year I keep thinking I'm going to take a break and then I don't. Why? Because it's an opportunity with the Sparks, kindergarten, first and second, to work with little kids that you can plant God's seed there and let God do with it what He wants. I've seen young people, I've seen little kids turned around that God has done it, and I just praise Him for that and the opportunity to to see these kids turn around for Him. Can't put a price on it. It's priceless. 
as that one commercial says. You can't put a price on it. Verse 6, when we were helpless without strength, dead in our sins, God sent Jesus to die for us. Christ dying for the ungodly and undeserving sinners like us. He chose us before the foundation of the world was created. Again, we didn't deserve it. But praise the Lord, God knows our names. Amen? We sing once in a while the Chris Tomlin song, I Will Rise Again. I'm not going to sing. I'll be scared. But the words, I think, speak so strongly here. There's a peace I've come to know, though my heart and flesh may fail. There's an anchor for my soul, I can say it is well. Jesus is overcome, and the grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won. He has risen from the dead. And I will rise when he calls my name. Every morning, I'm thankful God knows our name. Amen? We're his child, we're his son and daughter, adopted into God's family. Verse 7 points out, It is highly unusual for a man to lay down his life for another person, even a, a righteous good man. That's very rare. But then we get to verse 8, and it begins, But God. I like that, but God. How many times in our lives we're, we're saying, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't... I don't know how to handle this situation, but God. That's who we've got to look to right away. Because everything else is going to fail. It's going to fall over. We lean on it, it'll fall over. But God is always there and He's strong. Nothing is beyond God. But here in verse 8, but God, that undeserved divine love is beyond our human minds, isn't it? God demonstrates, commends, exhibits, proves His own love toward us. God's supernatural love. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. In this world of change, everything's shifting. I know I lived in a, another generation growing up. I can't keep up with the technology. Which are you supposed to have? You know, what iPhone's the newest? Do you have the latest Microsoft update, but now you need some kind of a patch to fix what that didn't do? It makes me dizzy. Every time I, I turn on the computer at the jail and there's some kind of update, do I update or not? I'm barely getting used to the new way that they told me yesterday. And now here's another update. But I'm thankful God doesn't change. God's love through us never changes. And still the world around us, they need God's love. They need to see that it's real, that it's, it's God's love. God is the answer. Not everything else that's being paraded before them. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, an act of His love in enduring the cross to provide the way to be saved. Almost every day I hear different stories from the inmates telling me, well, chaplain, if I get out of this charge, you know, I'm going to go back to church. I say, okay. 
And they'll say, well, you know, I used to go to church and I know that God lets me off this and uh, I somehow get a, a shorter sentence, you know, I'm, I promise I'm going to do this and that. And they say, I try it and then I slide back. You know, I, I told this one young man, his name was Kevin, I said, God's the only one who can make permanent changes. We can try to do everything we can in our own power. may work for a short time, but it's not permanent. God's got to change our heart before things on the outside are going to change. Jesus was our substitute. He paid our ransom by saving us. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? Nothing in us as condemned sinners deserved to be ransomed, but God shared His amazing love to secure our salvation. John MacArthur shares, In Christ we are forever linked to God by His love demonstrated in blessings and mercy. Do we ever get to the end of the day and say, Lord, thank You for the blessings today? That unexpected trial, that interruption, whatever it was, I can see you working in my life. You're teaching me something. And God will continue to teach us. I praise God He never gives up on us. Amen? He never quits on us. He never says, I've dealt enough with that John Schroeder. I'm done with it. Every day He says, John, i got something else for you today. You remember a couple weeks ago I was trying to get your attention? Well, we're going to try that one again. And the more we learn to trust God, the more we learn from God teaching us through His Word, through other believers, through prayer, through obeying His Word, the more we can reflect Christ because our world desperately needs Jesus Christ. God's love is unconditional. It keeps on coming no matter what. And when we have God's love in us, it will do the same thing in our lives. That unfair boss who overloads us while others loaf, or that grumpy neighbor who spreads his dollar weed onto our lawn and never uses bonus S, or that relative who parades their earthly goods every time you have a reunion, God's love keeps on giving no matter what. Fifth piece of evidence shared in verses 9 and 10, our certainty of deliverance. Verse 9, much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Our certainty of deliverance. We as believers are saved and preserved by the power of God and we will not have to face God's judgment for sin. Amen? Isn't that great to know that? Something to be thankful for every day? In these verses we have the overwhelming much more than, than all that preceded as pieces of evidence that were saved and preserved by the power of God. As believers we look to the past, the initial part of our salvation, verse 9, having been justified by His blood, the basis of our salvation results in being saved from wrath through Him. Jesus took upon Himself 
the wrath we deserved and paid the price for our sins. Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We will never know what that separation was while God the Father placed upon Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our sins. And God the Father had to look away as that judgment was upon His Son. We will never know what that separation was. That's God's love for us. And that when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Period. If God was powerful enough to redeem us in the first place, How much more does he have the power to preserve us? I was illustrating to uh, the inmates this past week as I was sharing some other scripture that had to do with knowing that we are preserved by his power. God has placed us here in his hand and nobody can take us out. I praise God for that every day. Because if I was in God's place, I'd have gave up on me a long time ago. But God never does. And I'm thankful each day. Uh, I went through a struggle. I've shared this with a few that have prayed for me with things going on at the jail. But I've come to realize that God opened the door of ministry there. And it's got to be God who closes the door. Humanly, (laughs) the emotions can sometimes say, take off. Go do something else. But if God says, I need you to stay there, I want to stay there. Just like when I retired from the military, I knew it was time. Because God had given me some missions the last year or two. I praise God for the opportunities. I was able to mentor some young chaplains who I still keep in touch with. One's in Afghanistan now. But I I praise God for those opportunities and God allowed me to finish the mission. When Carol and I had our head-on car wreck in 2004, I didn't know if that was going to happen or not. But God, in His mercy and grace, allowed me to finish the mission. So that a couple of years ago, I knew God had done what He wanted to do with me in the military. And I praise God every day. And I'm looking at that at the jail as well. Until God closes the door... I'm there for him. And every day I have to remember it's for him. I I can't look it down here. I've got to look toward him. And I encourage you all to do the same. Every day is a gift. One day at a time. While we were enemies, God in all his wisdom provided a way to choose us, save us, and keep us saved as adopted children of God. How much more as children will he keep us saved by Jesus' life as our Savior? He didn't stay in the tomb, but he rose the third day. We should be singing the Hallelujah Chorus every day. 
Lo, in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, he arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. We're not going to try singing that one, but I love the words to it. And we can sing that all year in our hearts, in our minds, being thankful. Verse 10, it says, we were reconciled. Commentator Vincent shares, the verb means primarily to exchange, and hence to change the relation of hostile parties into a relation of peace. John Wolverd relates, Reconciliation is the removal of enmity that stands between people and God. It's the restored fellowship between people and God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The sixth and final piece of evidence that supports were saved and preserved by the power of God is shared in verse 11. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. That final piece of evidence is our joy in God. Our joy in God. Our joy as believers should be focused on our great joy in God. Do we ever spend time in prayer, wake up in the morning doing our daily devotions? We, we just say, God, I thank you, you're God. I'm thankful you're on the throne. I'm thankful for all this you've created. I'm thankful you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. That should give us joy. I think sometimes we live in a world that says, well, you know, happiness and joy, that's the same thing. No. Joy is from the inside out. It's letting God work on us from the inside so that the fruit that we show, so the lives that we show, show an inner joy. Does that mean we always have a smile on our face? No. But we have joy in our hearts because we are secure in the Lord. He saved us and He keeps us. The acronym, we've all heard it, joy, Jesus, others, and you, we're last, we're at the bottom. Others come before us. Jesus comes first. And if God is anywhere else but number one in our lives, we're going to have chaos. We're going to be off the sideline. We're going to be discouraged, depressed. We're going to be where we shouldn't be. We're not going to be where God wants us to be. When we think of our lives, we should be reminded continually and ever be thanking the Lord. He reconciled us and adopted us. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice, what? 
with joy inexpressible and full of glory. I don't know if this always fits for me every day at the jail, but I have one deputy, Deputy Jordan. He got a twin brother. I never can tell him apart. But they see me coming down what they call hotel. It's an eighth mile walk back and forth from one end of Max to the other end. Max is where uh, the more hardened criminals are. And every time he sees me, he says, here's the happy chappy. I don't always have a happy. I know I don't. But for some reason, that's what he says every time. For the most part, and hopefully the smile does come on the outside, that joy in the Lord, being at peace with God and not at enmity with God, that our sins are paid for, God has saved us, and he saved us forever. That should give a smile to our face once in a while. But at least the joy in our hearts of knowing that we're in God's family. Rejoice talks about being full of joy. David rejoiced in the Lord for who the Lord was, Psalm 33:21, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Psalm 34:3, oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Our joy in God should, again, put a smile maybe on our face, but in our souls. There should be a smile. I don't know how to picture that. I don't know how I would picture soul, but it's that that inner being, that, that inner being that's going to live forever, either with the Lord or without the Lord. And I'm very thankful, even at the jail, that there's still the freedom to share the gospel. Sometimes, some days, it looks like that door is closing, but God's keeping it open. I'm thankful for the freedoms we have, even to meet together and to open God's Word. Many countries would give, uh, the Christians there would give anything to have an open time together, to open the Word together. Some of them share one Bible, and each has a part, and they piece it together when they get together, because no one has a, a total Bible. We here have many copies of God's word that we can open. And that is a blessing. I think that our country has enjoyed for so long. And I pray it will continue. True joy isn't dependent on circumstances. Or things. But it's in the Lord. Philippians 4.4 4, it says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. It's in the Lord. It's not on things, but it's in the Lord. And when we have our eyes on the Lord, God's going to keep us above water. I always think of the story of Peter walking on the water. And he was fine when he got out of the boat because Jesus said, come. And he obeyed and he got out of the boat and he was walking toward Jesus. He had his eyes focused on him. And then something caught his attention elsewhere. He looked to the side and started to sink. And all he could do was say, help. The Lord came over and he grabbed him and they both walked over to the boat on the water. We got to keep our eyes on the Lord, not on things around, those distractions. Do we have distractions in this world? My goodness, it's unbelievable everywhere you look. They're all around us. 
But our focus has to be on Jesus. Our joy has to be centered on Him. Instead of living lives of complaining about last year's iPhone, say, oh, I got that old model. I think we have oh, on a 4S or something like that. That's probably about three, three times ago. But it still works and tells us fine. Or that old car that still runs, that rusty spinning wheel cart at Walmart. You ever get one of those? Just spins around, kind of pushing it and it's going this way and that way. <laughs> but at least it works. You can load it down anyway, even though it's spinning. We should focus on our joy in God that by His grace, He chose us, He drew us, He saved us, and He preserves us. Let's quickly review the pieces of evidence that show we're saved and preserved. First, our peace with God. Second, our standing in grace. Third, our hope of glory. Fourth, our possession of divine love. Fifth, our certainty of deliverance. Sixth and final piece, our joy in God. Wow, what a list. Does this evidence convict us that we're adopted sons and daughters of the King of Kings? Are these pieces of evidence evident in our lives? We need to know with all certainty that God backs our salvation and no one, nothing can take it away. We are God's children forever. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the assurance of your word. Romans 5, 1 to 11. Lord, we, we pray that this evidence is showing in our lives that we're your sons and daughters. The world around us, Lord, is propagating, living, and promoting all kinds of sins, Lord. But we know Jesus, your Son, has paid for those sins. And I pray that you would draw those you have chosen. Draw them to you that they can be saved. Not by anything they've done or earned, but it's all by grace. And thank you, Lord, that you have given us in these verses that assurance that we're preserved by you. And no one and nothing can take us out of your hand. Pray that we would live with that with a renewed joy today and every day you give us by your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.